welcome back here at Chat Sapphire. Uh, I hope you had a good weekend. Did you have any action in 4x4 world? Yes, we actually had an excellent weekend. We um, were laying out a new trail. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah, it's in the Shongweni area. We uh, were just trying to, trying to get a new trail, but it's a really extreme trail, so not, not for, for the, the faint-hearted. faint-hearted. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Snap. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And how did it go? Oh, it went really well. Uh, it took the whole day to do about three, four kilometers. Oh, goodness. Uh, but it was, like, really rough going. And we had a little braai at the top of a waterfall to finish off. Oh, that's lovely. Really nice, yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> and did you have a good day, or were there some some breakages? Uh, this time around, not too not too many breakages. A little bit of damage on the one Land Rover that went with us, but we were only two vehicles, so it went quite easy. So the whole yeah. aim was actually laying out the track yes, and just actually finding a new route. Finding and, a new route. Yeah, and laying it out so that we can maybe take a, a bigger group down there at a later stage. Now, how does that whole process work? Um, do you find the owner of the land? Um, how, how, do, how do you well, if it's, determine a new route? Yeah, if it's on a farm that's owned by somebody, it's always good to have the, the permission of the mm -hmm. landowner. Mm -hmm. A lot of the trails that we get are in riverbeds, which is sort of sitting on no man's land or um, rural area mm -hmm. where it's really the, the traditional king's land. Um, but obviously we go there and you need to make sure that you, if, if there's a landowner, have his permission. But if there's no landowner available, obviously go in with a lot of respect and ensure that you don't... Um, disrespect the locals, involve them if, as much as possible. Um, and then there's, of course, a conservation element as well, yes. I presume, in terms of um, fauna yeah, also and flora. Correct, yeah. when, when you're laying out new trails. We do sometimes, uh, being in Kayserin, there's a lot of undergrowth, so at some stages you need to clear enough for a vehicle to pass. But we always try and preserve the, the mm. trees and, and the local flora as much as possible yeah. and then the big key as well is not to pollute the area so don't take in when you're going into the into the rural area or you're going in for a braai in the field somewhere make sure you don't leave anything around make sure you put out your fire after the, after the braai and either bury the coals or put it out with water properly but i mean those are the standard outdoor protocols aren't they yes so that's anybody who's an outdoor lover is going to adhere to that correct oh. uh, and it's all about respecting nature and respecting mm. uh, the environment for the people that want to go there again um, especially if you if you're in an area where locals reside you don't want to go and make it uncomfortable for somebody else to go after you and have a, a conflict with the with the locals in that area so now you're looking at this vast track of land. Um, do you normally just drive down a road and then sort of scout for, oh, this looks like a good exit point off the main road? How do you decide where your track's going to be? So what we do is we usually start with a known track. And then um, 
a lot of the times as well we would um, get somebody that's been on the bike tracks and as you know KZN there's a lot of off-road biking happening over the weekends and uh, and they've already got their trails that they usually drive with the bikes Um, some sections of their trails are totally impossible Mm. Um, but then we always find that as a challenge to say how are we going to get up that similar trail or close to but be able to go up with the 4x4s it's always fun when you get to a section where uh, the bikers, uh, off-road bikes, don't expect the 4x4 to be. And then they come up the trail and they see us there. <laughs> uh, and they, they're really amazed to see that you can actually take a 4x4 vehicle up that same trail. That's brilliant. Now, when will this new route be available and how do you make people with, aware of it? Um, with new routes, uh, we sort of have a... A group of guys that that like to travel the extreme routes, and especially this route, for instance, I wouldn't take the normal club guys on. It would be by invite only, because you need to make sure that you invite the guys that are capable and their, and vehicles, their vehicles are capable, vehicles are capable yeah. um, to ensure that nobody goes on the trail and then they damage their vehicle, mm. especially when we're leading a group. If somebody wants to go there afterwards and go and damage their vehicle, that's fine but not while we are, are as when an official club. When it's a facilitated yeah. trip, it Arranged needs to be managed. Drive, yeah. yeah, that uh, makes sense. We've got a lot of trails that we drive, and I think in the coming weeks we'll also discuss several trails that we do as a club, um, maybe some details around those, and people are welcome to contact us and see if there's um, opportunity for them to come and drive with us with the Jeep Club. I'm sure listeners are hungry for that information <laughs> after, you know, you wetting their appetite with all the knowledge-based stuff. Um, I'm sure people are, are hungry to get to. So, you know, when are we going to chat about the actual trails yes, and, and routes? Yes, and we still have to take you on a physical trail. That's and that's not going to be the Shongweni <laughs> one, eh? <laughs> No, that's definitely not a beginner's trail. <laughs> oh dear. So all right, we're not we're not there yet. So we're still trailing towards the end of our novice section and perhaps we should look at getting back to that. Yeah, before we get too much ahead before of ourselves on the advanced away. sections, yeah. let's just finish up um, let's I think yeah, chat tire pressure. Just to recap on, on last week. Okay. Um for anyone who didn't listen to the last week's episode you can find it on our website on the off-road 4x4 um, podcast playlist and um, just to quickly recap we spoke about tire pressure and tire profiles Um, we spoke about the rates of deflation for various tire profiles as well as speeds at various deflation settings you mentioned that the information is actually on the tire wall for example you might have the numbers 285 slash 70 which tells you that the side wall is 70% of the width of the tire, which in this case, um, I'm not a, a math whiz, but it turns out it's 199 mils. Now, if your tire has a spec of less, say 265 forward slash 60, then your side wall is only going to be 159. And this is important information because it means your ability to actually deflate is much less. Correct. And that becomes critical um, when you're choosing where you take your vehicle on what sort of terrain. Yes, so you obviously want to deflate your tyre as much as possible at all stages without risking 
damaging your rim Correct. or damaging the tire itself. Yeah. But that information is going to tell you how much play you have. Correct. Yeah. Then we also mentioned three easy settings for deflation, which is your standard inflation for road conditions, which is normally somewhere between 2.2 and 2.4 bar. You mentioned 1.5 for gravel roads as a safe setting, and then generally for all off-road conditions, 0.8 is acceptable. Yes, and that's linked to a 70 and that's profile. that's exactly tire. linked to that 70 profile. So the moment you have a 60, now you've got to add 0.1. Correct. And go to 0 0.9. Yes. You can't deflate all the way to <laughs> 0 0.8. No, you just give yourself that you little bit your, more leeway. Yeah. Yes. Then finally, you spoke about um, speed at various deflation rates, mentioning that it's actually okay to drive around about 100 kilometers an hour on gravel at 1.5 bar, which I thought was fast, but you said that that's actually fine. Well, that would be the limit. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't go faster, faster. than that. Okay. Uh, obviously, no, not recommended to be on the limit at most stages, okay. but if you have a long-distance gravel mm -hmm. road, that you need to travel without a lot of curves, then that mm. would be a, a relatively safe Because my speed. gut was sort of 80, you know, at that. It depends on the gravel road. Some gravel roads do have the speed limit on them. So, mm. yes, 80 would be also a good speed on the gravel mm. road. But it, what we're saying is don't exceed 100 kilometers an hour. Even if you go on tar road at 1.5, that's your speed limit, mm. which... Anything above that would build up too much heat in your tire. Correct. That's what we mentioned. Um, so finally, we spoke about the fact that it's equally important to re-inflate before you get back on tar, exactly because of what you just said, um, that you have too much surface contact at speed, um, you'll incur heat damage, which might cause what you said, delamination. Correct. And even though you might not have... Um, immediate sign or or experience any immediate damage you know you, you you're not going to feel the wobble or anything but then six months later you have a blowout correct and that's because of that damage yes great so that was a quick recap for last week and where are we now I think just also to recap on our off-road speed it's important to know that you ah, shouldn't exceed yes. the 30 kilometers an hour which is your low range maximum anyway. And we the, said you don't want to be faster than that. Point eight bar. Yeah. As we always say, the slower the better. Um, what's the saying the old saying in four by fours is slow as possible and as fast as necessary. Yeah. And take in the scenery. Correct. If you yeah, can. That's why you're there for the in the first <laughs> place. <laughs> yeah. Stunning. So what are we chatting about today? So today, um, on the beginner section we're just gonna chat around the important vehicle checks to do before you go off-road. Um, I think to start off with something that we're supposed to be doing as all drivers, you learned it in your learners. K53. And your <laughs> K53 license was your pre-vehicle checks. Although all of us sort of neglected in real life, uh, I mean, it's not practical to go and check your car every time you get in it in the morning. Um, but it is a good habit if you have it. But with 4x4ing, that becomes critical for you to check before you go on a trail because you're going to be far from any help 
mm-hmm. if you have a breakdown. So it's good to check um, the fluids in your vehicle. Good to understand where, um, what is. So the important things is open your bonnet, go and check where your brake fluid is. Um, you check where your oil level is checked. And all of these levels, it's important to check when they are, when your vehicle is cold. Because as your vehicle warms up, the, the levels expand. Mm-hmm. Or if you check the oil, for instance, while the vehicle has been idling and you switch it off and you check the oil level, the oil will always look much lower than what it really is um, because the oil is still sitting all over the inside of the engine. It hasn't sort of seeped back into the... Correct. So that's, that's a trick that the garages do quite well is they have the petrol jockey check your oil for you. But you've just stopped your vehicle. Yes. And then he wants to check the oil. And nine out of ten times, you'll actually see that there's about a pint short when he measures your oil. Now, he'll show you the dipstick and you'll say, okay, put in a pint of oil. But that pint is sitting, still coated on the inside of your engine all over. It hasn't, it takes about an hour or two to, to drop down to where everything is sitting in the oil pan. I've never thought of that before, you know. So then they put in a pint, and what does your engine do with excess oil? It, it smokes it out, or what? If I there's don't know. excess oil in the system, <laughs> it'll be burnt. So then you're just burning that oil that's excess, and the garage has made a sale, Yeah. and you've lost out. So it's always a good idea to check your oil in your vehicle early in the morning when your vehicle's rested overnight or at least give it an hour or so I would say even two hours for all the oil to drip down to the bottom of the oil pan before checking your oil level um, similarly with your water level check it while it's while it's cool and then you'll see where your water level is it's important to identify these Areas. You'd be surprised at how many people own a car for years and they have never opened the bonnet to see where to check what. Um, and then before you go off road, obviously that's that's important. One thing to remember is what does your engine do? What is the main function of your engine? To turn the wheels. Yeah, but it turns fuel into heat by burning the fuel, and that is then turned into energy in, in, the, in the form of torque or rotational speed to turn your wheels. Mm. Now, only if you, if you take the, the heat generated by your, en- by your engine, only 30% of that heat is generated into motion. Kinetic energy. Yes, well, rotational energy. Or rotational or energy. The other 70% of that heat needs to be dissipated because it's not turned into into rotational energy. And that heat dissipation is managed by all the fluids in your engine, Mm. your water, your oil. So all of those fluids are there to dissipate the heat that's building up Mm -hmm. in your engine. Um, And that's why it's important to check that. Now, your fluid levels, you'll always notice, has got a, a minimum and a maximum. And above the maximum, there's always a little bit of space because your fluids, when they heat up, 
they need expansion room. If you had to fill all of them to, to, to the top, as soon as your engine heats up, that those fluids will just overflow and there won't be space for them to expand. So those are the kind of things that you need to check inside your engine. Make sure you check your brakes. The windscreen washer fluid becomes really critical when you're doing off-roading. I can imagine that because of mud and sand and Correct. dust. Correct. So if you go through a mud puddle mm-hmm. and that mud goes onto the windscreen, you need to be able to wash it off very mm-hmm. quickly to see where you are going. Um, so that's really important to check all of those levels are correct. So that's so that's part where you start at the engine. Then you obviously do the rest of your mechanical checks around your vehicle, ensure the tires are in good condition before you go on the trail. Make sure you've got the the necessary equipment with you. Um, we we did a small section on recovery equipment, but I'm sure we're going to expand a lot more into recovery equipment and recovery points in the in the weeks to come as well um, we'll have a discussion around how to look for recovery points and w- where to attach the equipment but that's also one of the things you need to we, which we cover in our training session is to make people identify those points and what where to attach the equipment because you need to know before in certain in yeah <laughs> in certain <laughs> conditions you're going to do it here or there um, depending yes, it's on angles hard. and... If you're now stuck in the mud, it becomes really difficult to find your recovery point if you don't know where it is. Yeah. Um, the whole underside of the vehicle is covered uh, or underneath the mud for the you m- to try The more we it. speak, the more I realize we're definitely going to have to get some visuals on we'll all of definitely, this. We'll definitely, yeah. we'll, I think in the format that we've got our website in now uh, and the program, yeah. there is room for us to put in some videos of, of us doing some of this stuff practically. Now, if we want to go out and do some practical work, I'm just looking at the season and the, and the weather and so on, is it better to do this in obviously dry conditions? So we shouldn't leave it for too long, like when the rainy season comes. No, in actual fact, the rainy season is the best time to learn. No, but then and it's all muddy. Because that's when you need it. <laughs> <laughs> I've had beginner's <laughs> sessions in pouring rain. Torrential rain. Torrential rain. And we still continued with the training and the people enjoyed it because that's actually yeah. when it gets really challenging. And we don't let that stop us. All right. So there's no real rush. No real rush. We'll, we'll get there. Okay, excellent. Vili, that's all for today then. Um, thank you for being here. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Definitely. We'll see you then. Excellent.